You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. The reason why the deacon and I were laughing at the beginning of Mass and during the readings was because someone knocked my homily notes off of the pulpit and we're debating on who was going to be the one to take the risk to try to bend down and pick them up investments. He beat me to the punch, so I don't have to worry about not being able to get to the notes. As I mentioned last week at the masses that I had, uh, this week is our state of the parish address, as I like to affectionately call it. Uh, those of you who are visitors, welcome. You got the short straw. You had a 51 out of 52 chance that you would not hear the quote, dreaded money talk. And so I say, just come back next week. Enjoy today, hear about our parish. But it's really uh, so much more than a money talk. It's so much, we talk about a lot more than that. That's a part of it. Uh, but it's not really the important part or the most important part about what we do here at St. Pius. And so in general, the parish is really doing very well, very well. From a pastoral point of view, from you know, my vantage point, uh, it is, we're doing great in so many ways. It, we look at the parish and, and there's an objective vibrancy that you can see uh, on our campus. Uh, so many things going on, people learning about Christ, people hopefully working and serving uh, their brothers and sisters both here in our community and, and for the outside community, for our local community. Uh, you know, I just look at certain things. These are pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic stuff. So it's, it, you have to kind of compare apples and apples. You know, but when I first got here, I would go to the, some of the service meetings, like let's say the Women's Guild or the Knights of Columbus, two that have been around, I think, the longest. And you can see in the last few weeks, that there's just more people at the meetings, more people trying to figure out how to serve, more people wanting to become active in their faith. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And then on campus, other activities, uh, Bible studies, uh, mother's ministry, uh, the, that man is you, uh, those who get up at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. It's great to see these groups active and learning about Christ, learning how to live the discipleship that we all profess. Um, it, those are wonderful, wonderful things. Our youth group, um, you know, the pandemic was difficult because we weren't allowed to do a lot of things we wanted to do, but I've been to the first few meetings as we've kind of really been able to start and it's wonderful that the, um, the parents as well as the children and the numbers are, are great. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to answer questions that I get a lot too. One question everybody's asking about, who won the bald shrimp dinner in the youth fundraiser? And so as you, as you all recall, back in the spring, we had the youth fundraiser, did a great job and has helped us. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. Uh, but part of it is if you donated more than $100, your name got put into a hat for a shrimp dinner with me. Now, believe it or not, just by looking at me, I know you can't tell I am not a good cook. Okay. But one thing I do really well is I boil shrimp. I do camp food. And so we do have a winner. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I told you that I wanted it to be someone fun. It is. The guest list is not completed yet, so I don't want any unfun people to put pressure on them to come to that dinner. So I'm not saying who it is. Um, as I mentioned, I'm gonna get in trouble one day for saying stuff like that, you know? But our youth group is, is going, and, and speaking of that fundraiser, you know, things that we do as a parish, uh, that it was such a beautiful outpouring 
in order to provide services to any child that is in our parish who comes to on-campus activities. There's no charge. Whether it's sacramental prep, whether it's Life Teen, whether it's Edge, whether it's our um, Young Saints uh, and other ministries, our youth program. Of course, the biggest thing we do is our school. We've had a wonderful transition uh, to our new principal. I've been very, very impressed with that. And a transition has two sides, you know, the old and the new, right? Transitioning and both Miss Lemaire and Mrs. DeSormo uh, have been wonderful to work with. They've done such a fabulous job. Uh, I would call it seamless. So as a pastor, you know, that's much greatly appreciated. You know, so we, we look at the things that, that are clicking and yes, there's a, a lot of activity and it's wonderful. Uh, but we also have work to do and there are some things that uh, we need to complete and do to serve our community and to serve obviously other people outside our walls that we want to continue to do. So one of the things that we have is we're building the building um, or renovating the old church, a place where I had my call to the priesthood very specifically, thinking of marking the spot where I was sitting when I got that call, just in case anybody wants to start a cause for sainthood later, you know, that alone will get me not a cause for sainthood. But you know, the beautiful old building in the sense it was beautiful and that so many of us learned about God and were helped by God in that building. So what do we do with it? And so we're gonna make it into what we call a ministry building. And it's gonna serve, hopefully, a lot of these groups that have the Bible studies. We're, our campus is right now full. We have a hard time scheduling groups and doing the things we need to do. So I can think of no better purpose of an old church than to actually, when we receive the Eucharist here, go there and put it into action, and to put it into action. And so we're gonna to try to un help with some of the underserved. We have a food pantry that'll also be placed in that building. We should do that. We're a parish big enough. Our mission club mentioned that to me. Um, and we're also looking at hopefully new groups that maybe are underserved. Uh, those who have undergone uh, difficulties in life, uh, I'm thinking particularly those who have been divorced, maybe those who are recovering from addiction like alcohol. We, we do have a, uh, a group that started, we were able to find a room, Catholics in Recovery, uh, for those uh, recovering from alcohol addiction. Um, but nursing homes, you know, trying to get to nursing homes, they, we did such a great job during the pandemic, they could watch it online. Now we wanna try to deal with that. But that's 14 nursing homes in our geographic area. That's a lot to try to figure out how to do. But I know that as we start these things, you guys will respond because you have. And that's such an important thing uh, to remember. So we're going to hopefully finish the building. By the way, there's a diagram of it back in the gathering area on easels. You can kind of see what it's going to look like uh, from a floor plan and, uh, and look it over. We should be moving much more quickly with that and the rectory. We hit some snags administratively and construction wise. Construction is tough right now. Uh, but we have been able to look at getting over a few of the humps and we should be moving uh, relatively quickly in the coming months, a lot of activity. And we hope to be finished in early 2023. And so a lot of people have asked, okay, doing the building, did the parking lot, what's going on with the debt? How are we doing this with all that debt that we have and all the draconian stuff, all these worries about it? And really, we don't have to worry about it. The finance council, the parish council, from the beginning, we came up with an idea to look and see what we needed. We needed the parking lot. We need the room for the, new, for the old church. And it will be consumed the second we do it. And I think everybody would agree with that. But yes, we had debt. And over the course of the last four years, I've always said 
if everybody takes a hold of the rope and does what they can, then everything will work out. And everything so far has worked out because of us. I include us because I'm a member of the parish too. The generosity in the daily or weekly offertory has been outstanding. We had another increase. The report will come out. You'll see the numbers and you'll be able to look at them. Um, unfortunately, due to circumstances outside our control, we weren't able to get it done for this weekend. And so as soon as we have the information that we're relying on others for, we'll get it right to you. Um, but in the end, it's been our collective, our collective effort to do those things. And so what we needed to do, everybody's wondering about it. They saw the debt and then they saw where we were financially and costs and expenses. We needed to create space between our revenues and our expenses. And because of, like I said, the generosity to the community, the number of people who give, who believe that their $5, if that's all they could do a week, meant it made a difference, it did. It did. And we have been able to create that space where effectively the parking lot and the building will be pretty much paid for because it's in work in progress. And we've also been able to service our debt without any problem. Right now we're ahead on the debt and we're allowed to use that money for investments. And so we've been basically staying ahead so that we have money for the draws on construction. And so we've, there may be a small increase from the original debt, but not much, but we'll be in a great cash flow position to move forward. And I think it's because we can park and we can move and it's because we can meet, we can do the things that people appreciate and they're willing to hopefully buy into our community in that way. And so over the next year, what are our goals? I guess on the campus, finish a building, finish the rectory. That's another thing that everybody's been so kind with. Uh, the Knights having a golf tournament to uh, help pay for uh, the renovation to the rectory. It came to me, I didn't have to come to them. It's kind of what's going on, it's wonderful. Uh, so if, by the way, if you wanna be in the golf tournament, the, uh, um, the, the information's in the gathering area as well. We'll try to take on the sound. We've got some plans to make it better. But really, when you think about it, all of those things are great and they're wonderful, but they're not really the most important thing. The most important thing is that we are individually and collectively growing in our knowledge and love of Christ and bringing that light into the world. And if we're not doing that, then all those other things don't make a bit of difference. I'd much rather be a poor parish that struggles a lot and is getting holier than a parish that's doing just fine financially and is not getting holier. And that's our readings today, by the way. Remember last week we talked about there's an act of the will. We play a part in our salvation, in the decisions that we make. Are we active? Are we generous? Are we doing what we need to do to let Christ build his kingdom within us. And if we don't put ourselves in a position to do it, then we're in trouble. And Christ laments three or four times in Matthew's gospel, why do the children of the world care about their secular lives so much better than children of the light care for their spiritual lives? Where is that priority? Where is that hope? Where is that importance? And then today we see one of the dangers of, of being in a place where we think is good and that is complacency in our first reading and indifference, of course, in the story of Lazarus, a gospel passage with which we are all familiar. Are we indifferent or are we actually engaging in our mind and in our will to allow God to bring us closer to him? And if we do that, everything else takes care of itself. But I wanna say, I see that too. I see that too. We've increased our daily mass attendance is crazy. 
Priests come and complain because a daily mass doesn't take an hour, it takes two hours. Got one phone call from when he said, what's going on with this? I went back for confessions and I was there for an extra hour. And I said, what, you want a bigger stipend or something? But he was, and priests come and they're amazed. They're like, what's going on in our church that's special on this day? And we said, nothing. I mean, we have 300 people a day coming to daily mass between 6 a.m. and 12.05. Some parishes don't have that many people over a weekend. We have somewhere a little south of 10,000 confessions a year. A little south of 10,000. Think of that. That's a lot of confessions. Keeps myself and Father Poirier very busy. And when we think of that grace, the grace of repentance and mercy, the grace of the Eucharist and the goodness of Christ in our community among its members, how can we not see the other evidence of love of God and love of neighbor. For those of you who maybe don't go to daily mass, try it one day a week. Try it one day a week. It makes a difference. Those who haven't been in confession a while, try it. It makes a big difference. You know, we've got the preparations in the back, you know, the uh, examination of conscience and how to go if it's been so long, all the prayers are there. But you know, we have so many who do come and so many who do live the life in Christ and make an attempt to do it. It's wonderful for me to see as a pastor you know, this is our call to give weekend, and I wanted to, I'm supposed to give a little bit of a personal witness. The sacraments, absolutely, were integral in me, going from lawyer to priest. So I like to joking and say, repenting from my lawyerly ways. But there were two other things. One, Monsignor Mouton, for those of you who remember, happy memory, took me by the year after mass one Sunday morning, after this mass, actually it was the 11 o'clock mass. And he said, what are you doing this afternoon? I said, I'm going to work. He said, no, you're not. Of course, I looked at him and laughed and said, oh, yes, I am. And I went on to work, you know. But it kind of hit me. My dad had said the same thing. Don't work on Sunday. It'll make you a better employee and a better partner, a better lawyer during the week. So I'd started it. That and then the challenge to tithe, to actually tithe. I did that and tempted God. I said, God, I'll tithe, but you have to make me a partner early. At that time, I was not a full partner yet. Of course, I, and I said, and I'll go first, being a smart aleck. God, God had me tithe. God made me a partner. God brought me to the priesthood. You know, but it put my life in order in a way that had never been in order before. And that opening the door is so important. So if you need envelopes, if you want online giving, please go get it. It certainly changed my life in a way that can't be described. And to be perfectly blunt, I did that when I was a lawyer and all throughout being a partner. I went to the seminary, didn't have much in the way of income, but I still tithed. I tried to save enough because I wanted to keep my house in case they kicked me out of the seminary. I needed some place to go. I didn't want to go home to mom, if you know what I mean. It would have been kind of tough. And so all that time, the ups and the downs, it all worked out. I always had enough and usually more than enough. And some things happened surprisingly on the expense side and some things happened unexpectedly on the revenue side, but it all worked out. And so as we think of what we're doing today, I hope that everybody will maybe look and in the pews are cards. And in those cards are the call to give cards. There's basically a list of considerations that we do when we give to the church. How do we, what are we thinking into consideration in what our offering to our community? And it's such an important thing to take all those things into consideration, including making sure that we maintain 
our obligations in the secular world. Don't be indifferent. Don't be complacent. That's the message of today, and I think that's the message to our community about all this. And so I want to let you know, um, well, first, one thing. Yeah, I know, it's getting late. I'll make it. Don't worry, I'll make it. I have to say this every now and again. I figured this was the best time. If I am in trouble and someone has pulled me over in Ville Platte, Louisiana and put me in the pokey, I will never, ever, 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 ever call you or email you and say, I'm in the Ville Platte pokey and my only way to get out of bail is I have to have $100 gift cards from Apple in order to make things work. I will not call you. I have people to call. I'd call Father Poirier, but he's young and he didn't. I have a vicar for clergy who I have his cell number and his email on 24 hour call that I will call anytime. I will never ever do it to you. People apparently, apparently I'm famous, I guess. They're imitating me and sending out emails to people that they think would care and pulling the scam. Please don't fall for it. My email's in the bulletin. It's on our website if you want to check it just to make sure to make you feel better. If you want to actually send me an email at that email to make sure I'm okay, do that. I've done that for many people. But please don't do that because, you know, those Apple cards, well, I have an Android. So don't even worry about it. Actually, I don't have an Apple card. So don't fall for the fraud, please. It breaks my heart because every now and again someone uh, does respond because they think I'm in need. And it's a beautiful thought that they do it, but I hate that it's somebody playing on that emotion uh, so poorly or so fraudulently. And so in our call to give, uh, please remember the uh, cards in the back. There is uh, uh, there's also in the bulletin, so you can grab one of those. Thank you. You know, I know it's not your job to make my job easier, but you have, and I really appreciate that. Uh, it's a joy and a blessing to serve St. Pius X. I would have never thought I'd ever been the pastor here. It's hard to believe four years has passed already. I always thought priests usually don't go home to their home parishes, usually don't. Uh, and so it was really a surprise when the bishop called me. A little hesitant because some people knew me when I was a lawyer, <laughs> you know, but y'all have been very kind and welcoming. But as we move forward, let's make sure that we all take a hold of the rope. You know, people have also given time and talent, and that's helped us create less administrative costs. You know, we've been able to give in so many ways. Let's keep up the good work. Let's not become complacent. Let's never be indifferent. And let's hope that God continues to work in us. That's our goal. Individually, each and every one of us grows closer to Christ this year. Each and every one of us incorporates his goodness a little more fully in the lives we lead. And then we can have full love of God and full love of our neighbor.